Audio is rolling. And we are live. What's up, Dirty Cones? <laughs> what, What's up, Mike? <laughs> What's up, Mark? I'm not sure if you're talking to me or the whole crowd, but usually there's no pause in between, so let me let you continue. Take well, two. Go. I, no, 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 no. I was trying to be, um, you know, like we're, we're, we're equal stature. So I thought that if we, uh, if I said what's up and then you said what's up, but I didn't tell you the plan, so I apologize. <laughs> I went left and didn't, and assumed you'd go right, but uh, that's on me. So I love it though because um, it communication, <laughs> it's everything. <laughs> this folks is an example of communication. <laughs> we planned the entire thing. <laughs> no, uh, no uh, so good, good afternoon. Uh, well, good morning for you. Good afternoon for me. Uh, I'm in the backyard, so those people that are on YouTube get to see the chickens eating, and uh, nice. the squirrel in the backyard, and uh, if not, because uh, who wants to look at me all day? I think chickens are much better. <laughs> you, don't, you don't give yourself enough credit. I think, uh, you know, some people might aspire to be you, uh, they, and, they... uh they might, but and and this leads into kind of what has been a big talk conversation lately is ego, and I don't want to be known. I you know I just want to like help people and then you know slink back into the dark and nobody you know I get a thank you or you know a, a glass of water or something. But other than that, you know, because I, I see these people on YouTube or I see people walking around and they want you to know who they are, and yeah. back to being being a, a somebody or doing something. And, you know, I'm famous for uh, someone gave me a hug, you know? I mean, it, it's a beautiful thing, and I love it, and it's and it's an amazing thing, but I didn't really do anything. I just happened to be getting a hug that, you know, I mean, I was just doing my job. So I, I, I think there's yeah. so many other people that we should know about, that we should talk about, you know, whether they're PJs or whether they're, you know, your everyday American. Um, I, I mean, kind of like you. You know, just people doing the right thing and living a good life and, and being good people, and yet nobody knows they exist. Yeah, which is fine, which is fine with me. I, I'm on <laughs> the same page with you. I think that comes with maturity, you know, to a large degree. I think it comes with maturity. I mean, when you're in high school and, and looked at as the BMOC, you know, big man on campus or, you know, the, the popular guy, whatever, I mean, when you grow out of that phase, when you grow out of, you know, being in the limelight and you allow other people to shine that deserve, you know, some, some light on them, you don't mind standing back and letting credit go where credit is due or just doing something because it's the right thing to do and, and not accepting, you know, this accolade that says, wow, I'm going to put you on a pedestal because you're awesome. Well, no, you don't have to do that. Just just learn from what I'm trying to do and do it yourself, yeah. you know? It's 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 smile and take the paycheck, but like on just just smile and take the paycheck, and you just keep on moving. There's yeah. a there's a really good story about a um, monk that was walking, and he he met this other monk who was enlightened, and he asked him, he's like, "What do you do once you've reached enlightenment?" And the monk uh, takes off his backpack, stands up very straight, and smiles at him, and the monk then says, well, what do you do once you've reached enlightenment? He puts his pack on and he keeps on walking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's simple, but 
I think hard work will get you there. Hard work, hard study, you know, hard contemplation, anything that effort to, whether it's enlightenment or, you know, self-awareness in any form um, that doesn't, doesn't need to be stroked, if you will. You know, I don't, I don't need to be stroked. It's, it's kind of hard sometimes, even as an adult, when, your enlightenment is shared, but not appreciated. That's a that's a subject that really I used to struggle with, and I still at times struggle with when I'm trying to share something with whether it's coworkers or other engineers that are doing stuff. And I'm like, guys, I already patented this. I worked through all the kinks. It's here. Take it. And for some reason, they might go off and do something else and not listen, and eventually come back to that and say, yeah, here's what we're doing. It's like, well, I, I told you that two years ago, you know? Uh, I don't want the accolades necessarily, but the experience that I'm trying to share with you was just ignored for some reason. And I was just talking to another friend in, in Georgia, same experience, We, you know, we shared that. I said, look, it's now it's a matter of, unfortunately, Letting it go, you know, I don't want to sing a stupid song, I don't even know it, but um, just learn to let go. And my daughters are even, you know, dad, just let it go, you know. <laughs> my kids, so I'm doing something right with my kids inadvertently, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, there's there's a time and point to appreciate an accolade where somebody's really, really super appreciative of something you're doing, but day-to-day stuff, Mike, that you do and I try to do, that doesn't, that doesn't deserve it a trophy, that's like, hey, let's just help spread the word, you know, of whatever it is. It's all about the word. We're just messengers. Yeah, we won't go with what we used to call it for, for uh, PG's sake, but uh. yeah. <laughs> what, what, all right, so... As uh, I want to ask you a question, what do you think about uh, enlightenment? Like, is it is it possible for Christians? Is it possible for you know? Or what does enlightenment mean to you? Well, I think the word today isn't enlightenment. The the term uh, is woke. Yeah, but that's a fake enlightenment. Is it? Yes. I didn't know that. Well, I look. I, for me personally, enlightenment is learning something or being aware of something that you weren't aware of before, and it could be a multitude of things, it could be life, it could be, I mean, you could put it into categories, I guess, but to me, um, I use the term woke as something that, oh, now now you're woke, you know, not just a race <laughs> thing, not just a, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, oh, I got you. Now you understand. So uh, uh, enlightenment in a religious sense is you've come to a, a point in your life where you understand, you listen to the, the much bigger picture about life, about love, life, you know, treating others and, and spreading, you know, everything that says joy in, in, in God, and Jesus, whatever, whatever religion you follow, whatever. Right. Type of enlightenment versus enlightenment on the short side. I guess I would relate to being woke. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I guess we all have our definitions of what it is, but for me, enlightenment is your, you, you've enlightened me on a lot of things. Um, he was enlightened me on a lot of things from the Indian, you know, from India right. perspective, all that. But I think I've been enlightened pretty much since, you know, our friendship, absolutely, and mm-hmm. definitely others. I mean, you, you got to, I think you have to be open and accept it for what it is. It doesn't mean everything you're listening to you have to listen to or accept, but being enlightened means I understand, you know. I like it. That's probably the nicest uh, explanation. I understand. I just... I So when I was younger, because we did uh, comparative religions, I did... Uh, I think I told you I did uh, 11 years at Catholic school, and uh-huh. the priests were were perfect. Like, they uh, they taught me to think... And, 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 and question everything. And they would say, God wants you to question things. You know, not in a, why are you doing this to me, but why? And, and you know, if you ask the right questions, you'll get the right answers. And they they said, maybe Jesus was enlightened. You know, maybe this or that. And I was like, ooh, so Christians can be enlightened. And they're like, yeah, because all it is is finding peace with yourself and with the planet. And like you said, I understand. If I understand, then I am at peace with myself and with the planet. And, you know, I, I think it's a good, um, I mean, so like, for, as as far as heaven, I'm shooting for heaven, but I'm happy with purgatory. Right? <laughs> so, I'm, I'm also shooting for enlightenment, but I'm happy with, am I at peace with myself and with most of the planet? You know, if I can do that, then, you know, I'll be pretty happy. Yeah. So, it's, that's kind of my goal in life is just, you know, don't start yeah. no shit, won't be no shit, but also... To walk through, you know, unharming anybody and and not being harmed by anybody. Yeah, yeah. I, I well, that goes without saying that you know, if you believe in dharma and karma and and, and these other um, philosophies, if you will, yeah. to be kind of others and treat others like you would treat yourself. Or, mm-hmm. All these things, if you just listen and contemplate what they're saying, as opposed to, you can hear someone, but you're not necessarily listening to what they're trying to say, you know? That's the difference between, I think, being enlightened is, I'm now listening, I'm trying to understand, versus, no, I heard you, you know, I heard you. (laughs) I heard you. (laughs) You know, I, I don't... You can't say in a conversation <clears throat> when someone says, "No, I hear you. I'm listening. I hear you." <clears throat> I don't. I don't know if they're sincere or not. But when someone's looking down at something or doing something else on the phone uh, while they're on the phone with me, and I can hear them typing away and doing stuff, there, I get frustrated. I mean, I've hung up on people, coworkers that are literally doing stuff in the background. I'm like. If I don't have your full attention, and it's important to me to tell you this, then, hey, let's talk later, you know, and I'm gone. That's the way, really, I used to treat that kind of mentality, but now I realize not everyone thinks the way I do. Not everyone is as passionate, you know, as me in a lot of things, especially work, and, you know, it's just, that's just the way... I've had to come around to say, okay, I just gonna have to let it go. Let it go. Right. So that's 
Well, so check this. So I'm working on this idea, and um, I think I might have told you the number one rule of improv is yes and. What, whatever the person says, you agree with it, and and then you add and build because if you try to stop it, and then, uh, it'll ruin the thing. So the number one rule of improv is yes and. And so I'm thinking about like, what about that as a rule for kind of life? Like yes and. And 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 this could be anything from. Um, I believe in aliens. Yes. Okay. I I believe in God. Yes. Or whatever you want. Whatever their God is, whatever their thought is, what? yes. And you just say yes to it. Not like, I mean, if no, no means no. Yes. But I mean, like, just in when you tell me things, instead of bringing anything negative into it, instead of anything, it's like, yes. And like, what have you got? What, what more can you do with that? And I feel that that's that's you like you are yes and uh the epitome of because uh, you know i've i've never heard you say a negative uh thought you know i mean I've, we've had deep conversations where maybe you were sad or unhappy about something but like you you don't you you keep the faith and i i, I think that yes and is is kind of um a, a thought that we might share what do you think i love it i i, I didn't i i haven't put it I haven't put that into a perspective like that where it's thought provoking to have a conversation with someone to instead of speaking and talking back and forth is it's the expectation right or wrong whatever they add is you're listening to me now and now you're going to respond with something right or wrong uh, hopefully something you know positive on top of that that tells me you're really involved with my conversation and me and engaged with me like you can say like if you say hey i want to you know make this tire okay well mike what kind of tire do you want to make you know let's talk about you know doom buggy tires why are there only three psi in a doom buggy tire but my car has you know 40 psi what you know um what about, you know, alien technology? I'm like, well, what about it? You know, let's talk about, <laughs> are you talking about space or the oceans or third dimension? What, what are you talking about? You know, let's, let's go somewhere with this. You know, I mean, I like the idea of engaging where you have to respond and et cetera, et cetera. That's cool. I've, my 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 religion is love, but I think my religion is also yes and. <laughs> it's just it. I, well, I've been I've been a little bit happier since since I just started trying to just yes and for people and. Imagine playing this game with your kids when they were younger. Yep. Because instead of developing yes no answers, nope nope that's not how we respond, young Johnny. <laughs> and. I want milk and juice with my breakfast and, you know, to develop the conversation further as opposed to, and it's frustrating with kids. What do you want to eat? You know, we have this and that and in hot dogs, what would you like to have? Ooh, and can we have, <laughs> you know, it, it makes them think and engage as opposed to easy, the easy way out is just to say no or I'm fine, whatever, you know. Nope, you have to say and and something. <laughs> and, and then and then and then, 
and more pancakes and more strawberries and more. Well, it might get carried away. Well, well, no, but all right. So, but how how do you engage or encourage people to you know say at a young age you just remind them like nicely or or what do you think might be a method to engage uh, further? Yeah. <clears throat> so I just had this conversation with my aunt this morning with my nephew, my brother's son. And we just lost a family friend. So I called her. She was very close to the, the family friend. So I called to see how she was doing. And we had a nice discussion. And the discussion um, became more about other family members and engaging. And I told her, I just, I just spoke to and texted back and forth for, you know, a couple hours. My nephew, who were not very close because he was very young when I left, um, when I was in the Air Force, but also because I live in San Diego, we're, we're kind of disconnected. So when we see each other, we're very happy to see each other. We, we discuss things, but it wasn't until last year that I saw him that I said, I want to go to your graduation when you graduate your nursing program. And he said, yeah, we probably won't have a, you know, on-site one because of COVID. I said, oh, I understand. But I said, I said to him, I said, I don't think you realize that me, when I was growing up, I turned to my aunts and uncles for questions that I needed answers to. And, you know, if I couldn't talk to my mom or dad, basically I turned to them and they would they would have the answers. Even today, I told them, I still talk to my aunt and uncles on stuff that I know they've gone through or they're dealing with, or it could be investments, it could be other family members, it could be whatever. I said, I engage in them. I said, you don't see that, but I do that all the time. And I'm going to encourage you that I am here to answer questions you might have if I can <laughs> to help you along your journey because you're graduating school, you're on your journey in life, you're just starting, and you're going to start getting involved with anything from a house to a car to insurances to, you know, you name it. I said, those questions, if you just want to talk, I'm here, but ask the questions. All you have to do is ask. And he was, I could tell in his tech how emotional, the emotional tech content I felt through through the phone, I mean, if you will. Yeah. It was, it was very heartfelt. I can't explain it. It was, I mean, the words he chose, and I, I was, I was happy that he was engaging with me, and then, of course, uh, he said, well, what stock should I buy right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't have anything, but do the homework on, you know, Cattell, you know, with Tesla, blah, blah, blah. Well, I said, but, I said, for the most part, just ask questions. I'm here for you. And just like your other nieces and nephews, I, I told them the same thing. I don't want you to ever think that you don't have anyone to go to for these oddball questions, you know, that you need answers to. So what you might seem as oddball, I see as, hey, you need to know, I'll help you. Well, so that's, my, that's my engagement with my nieces and nephews. I don't know about it, you know. <laughs> All right, so one, I think that's a beautiful thing that he just realized that he has an Uncle Mark. So that's that's a beautiful thing because, I mean, you got 80 years with the kids. So, you know, with you in his corner, I think he'll do well. But w what did you think about that Wall Street bullshit the other day? 
Well, I don't. I don't get involved with Wall Street. But when I my daughter heard about it, she made sure to tell me what she knew, and we had a nice conversation about it. She was kind of excited that that was going on to buck the system. Yes, but did you see how the system reacted? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, that's what I'm saying. That doesn't feel Democratic, Republic, uh, or good at all. Yeah. So when when you have people in power and you disturb their little world that they control, that's what they didn't like, of course, like anything else. It's the same as when Trump became president. You know, I mean, he got stuff done. Um, Unfortunately, he's not a... A great, a great uh, person to look at for, you know, hey, kids, I want you to be like this guy. You know, no, that's not necessarily true. But as far as the work that he was doing, if you, if you categorize it just with the work that he was doing and getting stuff done, of course, none of the other Democrats and Republicans liked that so much because he was just balls to the wall getting stuff, some stuff done. Now, I'm not saying everything he did was hunky-dory, but... There are some things where he would just go in and do it. He wouldn't prolong it. The life of a politician, you know, it, it, it kills me to see how they get paid, why they get paid, you know, and giving themselves raises. And it's very selfish of them. It's very evident that there's a lot of selfishness in, in politics. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, nobody can deny that. But nobody wants to do anything about it. So here are these young... This young generation of guys or people that go in and disrupt the financial world, if you will, Wall Street, they didn't like it. They're like, whoa, this should be illegal. So wait a minute, you guys have been manipulating the system. I mean, there are checks and balances, you know, with the FDIC and and everything that involves the stock market. But there's absolutely, you know, a, a game that's being played and... Some people don't like that it's being played, you know. I don't know. I'm not involved in it. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, right, and I avoid it, but, but it just shows how Wall Street really is, and it's about them making money and about them. And, and like you said, don't disrupt their boat or do anything against Rocket, you know. And, and so it just was amazing to me because after COVID hit, you know, all the countries of the world locked everybody down. You know, I mean, the... But I think if they're listening, then they, they're hearing that there are disgruntled people out there. I mean, look, they, they stormed the Capitol. You know, yeah, it was, it was a small faction, and it was probably some just crazy people. But if they're not listening, you know, things need to change. You know, otherwise, sooner or later, you're going to end up with, you know, I mean, shoot, how many people just got killed in Rwanda in the last three months? I think 50,000 people. Wow. You know, b- because of the the riots, and then what happened to Myanmar the other day? Aung San Suu Kyi was yep. in prison for fifteen years. They finally she gets elected, you know, to be in charge of the president. She gets out of prison, and now she's back in prison. Uh, yeah, politics are. I mean, especially in other countries. I mean, you know, the stories with CIA going in and, and stirring stuff up to yep. to be on that. I mean, people don't realize historically how often and how much that happened and, you know, why Saddam wasn't, you know, taking the first the first version go forward, you know, yeah. because it was at the balance and his son Uday was worse than he was. And I mean, those kind of things people just don't 
think about necessarily, but there's there's horror in the world as we know, mm-hmm. you know, first and sometimes, and people just don't look outside their world to see, well, how could I help in any way, shape, or form to make this better? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I was just reading about, what do you think about the Alaska pipeline? I've... So I don't think we should drill oil. I think everybody needs to figure something else out is my ultimate goal. Um, but I also understand that this country is the largest consumer, I, I believe it's still the largest consumer of oil, and that if we're going to do what we do, then we need to keep it. Um, but I don't like... I mean, the Alaskan pipeline's been there forever. I'm, I kind of feel bad for the... but. It goes through a goddamn reservation. Like, you made a deal with these people to not mess with them, and then what do you do? I mean, so, it it shouldn't go, but it, I, I know in the progress, it needs to go, but at the same time, I wish we'd find some other way. Yeah, yeah. Well, if it, here's the thing. If it can't go away, and we're going to continue using it for the next 100 years, 100 years is a pretty long time, if yeah. you think about it. I don't see gasoline going away anytime soon. So my my point is, if you have to deal with something, deal with it in the most efficient way. Yeah, is where I'm going with it. I agree. You know, solar. There's there's wind. There's water. There's all kinds of different ways to to produce power. But you have those big companies, those giant you know gorillas, eight hundred thousand pound gorillas. Yep that are controlling things, and, and again, you will disrupt their world and everything right. beneath it. Well, so, what about, what about yeah. all the subsidies we pay them and give them? Oh, well, <laughs> see, and that's part of politics. I mean, we're, we don't want to get too deep into it, but <laughs> basically, what, what I learned from years ago from one of the engineers that worked for me, he, he enlightened me. <laughs> <laughs> Worth the day. Whatever you want to use, on the most heavily polluted industry is the ship industry. Yep. Oh, they're bad. The, the sludge, that oil that is refined and can't be used, the, all of that, half of what you use is gasoline. The other half is basically used in ships to burn. The most worst pollutants yep. ever are unrefined you know, crud that they can burn in the ships. And it takes so many more ships, tens of thousands of millions and millions of gallons uh, of oil that you ship. It's going to take all this, you know, ships going across the oceans. It doesn't matter if it's Disney or cargo ships. Right. It's bad. So what I was getting at with a, with a pipeline or a new pipeline or whatever was the fact that what it takes after that's built, to deliver oil from Alaska to wherever it is in the States versus continuously using trains and ships. Right. It's 10 times, if not 50 times worse to continue to do it that way than using a pipeline. I got that's you. That's what I mean. No, no, that's no. The point. So that is something, it's, it's a necessary evil, unfortunately, but at the same time, if you look at the numbers, you type in train versus ship versus pipeline, I mean, the numbers are, are there. I mean, there's the infrastructure cost, but then again, there's also 
the pollutants that go along with just shipping oil. Right. Just shipping oil. So I see both sides of it. I try to look at both sides and say, yeah, okay, there's probably more to it than that, but on the surface of things, it you know, kind of makes sense. It's like it's like you not having water at your house and somebody driving to give you water every day, polluting the air to give you water as opposed to digging pipes throughout all the land and giving everyone water to pipes. That's a very good point. You know, I was, I was going to add, Volkswagen next year is actually going all um, electrical. Yeah, that's what, they, that's what they said. So one of the things that I touch upon also is do you know what it takes to make a battery? I know there's a lot of things involved that are um, like the sludge, not good byproducts. Yeah, the mining, the sludge, all that pollutants, all of that to make battery technology available and better and all that. There's a reason why we allow China to do all that stuff and then just buy it from them so they can keep the byproduct in the waste and have to deal with it themselves. Oh, wow. So there's a on to that, but I mean, we're involved with it now, and everyone says, oh, it's, you know, even our industry, it's greener, it's greener. Well, it is on the surface of things, but getting to that point, oh, the, the, the amount of effort and money and waste that it takes to build that technology, that's there, too, that nobody talks about. That's underneath the iceberg, you know? Well, and now you have enlightened me. <laughs> so, I'm not saying it's at all that is bad, but at the same time, I don't know the numbers at the end of the day. If you look at 100 years going the same way we are, and you extrapolate the numbers, right. what do they look like? Mm. You know, no one's really, everyone's spinning their own story for now. It's like smoking. Smoking was good for you. Doctors promoted smoking, <laughs> you know, early on. Oh, it's good for you. And then we find out later, oh, it's horrible. It's the worst thing you could do. But, you know, it's all about the dollars. And you're, you're totally correct in that this spin that is the the news that we live in is crazy. And I'll give you for example. So uh, last week, um, the Democrats were on uh, the TV talking about how this has ruined the Democratic Party forever. That it's downhill from here. Oh, my God, life is over. All right. I just switched over to Fox News, and there's a lead Republican on there talking about how this has just ruined everything for the Republicans for the next hundred years. Life is over as we know it. And there wasn't really an event other than just everything that's been going on in uh, in the government and everything for the last couple weeks. But they just were both spinning it like, woe is me, it's horrible. And... And I was just, I was like, that proves that none of this is real. We are watching a daytime soap opera. Everybody got addicted to Santa Barbara and Days of Our Lives, so they've turned the entire world into it. That's why they get rid of Hollywood, because they were onto it. They were making too many movies that were telling the truth. So now, <laughs> I was just like, I was running with it. But I I was so just, I was like, it's over. This is done. Like, it, none of it's real. There's no real news. None of, none of the things that they're arguing about, they're, they're trying to figure out what to do with Trump. Let him go. Leave it alone. Let's move on and let's fix the problems we got now. Yeah, yeah. Before, when, when uh, you know, the four years he was in, it was all about, from day one, let's get him out. He's horrible, blah, blah, blah. That was their mission. And now that it's over and they won, it's like, oh, let's just forget about it. You know, we have 
someone in place now and he's going to do it's like it's like we're three years old but you know the the sad part is when did you realize that news was out of control and not news anymore there was a point in your life mike yes that you started paying attention to news and started realizing hey wait a minute there's two sides to this story or you didn't see the division necessarily between the different lettered news organizations you know what i mean i I know exactly what you mean so i can't pinpoint it but i mean there was definitely i can all right so i grew up in the 80s uh, my father watched the nightly news. We he watched the local, he watched national, and then maybe a little bit catch you know the end of Peter Jennings or something. And Tom Brokaw, yeah. like all those guys. So uh, Dan Rather, he didn't like Dan Rather, but he watched him <laughs> because uh, he was still angry at Dan Rather for the Vietnam War comment. But so I grew up watching Beirut. Um, Panama, Iraq, Iran with their wars going on, like all that stuff. And just being like, holy moly, you know, meanwhile, I live in California in a farming community near the beach. You know, life's not bad. But I see on the news, I'm like, holy moly, the world's crazy, you know. And and then 9-11 happens. And I watched a full month because Christopher was born on 10-11. And so I watched a full month of news of just like, oh, my God, like we're, we're the world is over. Like, how am I bringing a kid into this? Holy shit. What did I do? Right. And and then I end up in Afghanistan and I just start seeing things and, and seeing the way I've been to the Philippines. I've been to Africa. I've seen how openly corrupt they used to be. And the government here used to be they were close <laughs> they weren't overt with their corruption yeah, they yeah, kept it yeah. down low and then i started noticing about 2005 2006 that the corruption was open you just had to look at it and then and by the time we got to trump just the way everybody treats everybody and the way that they just talk it's like i don't trust any of you so 2005 yeah. 2006 yeah. i'm listening to an npr interview and npr to me used to always be in the middle I mean, you know, eh, they could lean yep. a little bit more yep. left, if they, but they were yep. right in the middle. And 2005, 2006, um, god dang, NPR started more leaning left. And I'm like, what? I'm like, you're yeah. supposed to be fair and balanced. <laughs> you know, what happened? And yeah. and that's yeah. when I saw it change. That, you know, the man, don't pay any attention to the dude in the green pulling the levers and stuff. I mean, it's all, ugh. Yeah, yeah, you're talking about the Wizard of Oz, yeah. Yeah. So, so, I I agree. Those timelines are, are right on. We're we're you know right on target. I, I think I had let me see September 11th. I think um, Audrey was about one years old. Oh no no, Audrey was four years old. Natalie wasn't. Um, wasn't born yet. Well, three and three now. She's she maybe Patty was pregnant or something. But <laughs> yeah, all our lives changed, you know, dramatically. And paying attention from then on to how it affected me because I had a wife, a house, you know, you know, job. I was activated back, and um, it was. Yeah, I, 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 you could not pay attention. But then with a critical eye, you 
you see the people that are very biased, no matter what, you can't you can't have a conversation with them. You can't, you know, just a generic general conversation. It, it's just hatred spewed out of their mouth. And well, I don't want to talk to you if you don't want to have a conversation. You know, teach me something. If you can't name four positive things and four negative things for each guy, then then yeah, we're not on the right track. Right. You know. So. Well, yeah. And and that um, positivity. <laughs> well, in people around you, you almost have to harvest it, and and um, and and th- and this goes back to how we're we're going to teach people to say yes. And is you, you you we have to harvest it and pull it out of them and have those deep conversations. You know, I've I've I think about seventeen. I had a conversation with Christopher about like what is important in life and what you need to do to get through it. Um, he was having some trouble and stuff, but. I, I think that half the time when I'm talking to people, I'm talking to myself, reassuring myself what I'm saying is what I believe. You know, I'm not going to say something I don't believe. And and I really find that I'm just saying, I'm trying to say less so that way it's more. Yeah. Sometimes less is more. Yeah. Well, the, the least amount possible. I, it's funny. So we go to a free market that they do here uh, once a month, and there's some communist anarchists that that bring their pamphlets there and i consider myself an anarchist but i'm a purist and so they have these books like you know from Engels and marx and whatever and i'll read the book and it each chapter i could sum- summarize in a paragraph and and that's what i mean by like saying less like people just they they go on and on and on and it's just talking about themselves versus get to the point <laughs> get on with it so we can go do the word of the words instead of just talking about it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. And what's funny is it brings to mind, and I might have told you this a while back, my friend um, Vernon in Florida, I loved his mom to death. She was was full of rock-solid advice, and, you know, she passed away, unfortunately. She was in her 90s. Uh, She passed away... Uh, a couple years ago, and I would visit, you know, Bernie and I were stationed at Holloman <clears throat> for a while, and I remember one time visiting his mom and him, he basically took care of her, and he said, Mark, he goes, you know what I hate the most about these dang salesmen that come to my door and bug me, because I guess somebody had just showed up, he said, this guy sure did talk about everything but nothing. All I heard was yap, 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 and he sure had a lot to say without saying anything. <laughs> yep. And I was like, wow, that's so profound. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that story. And I, you know, even to this day, I'm like, yeah, let's get to the point. I don't want to shut someone down if they have something to say, but sometimes you want to stick, you know, a straw in their head and just suck out the information you need. Yep. But there's a time for listening and a time for, you know, when that person, do they, do they, do they need you to listen to them and engage with them because they're going through something, or are they just talking to talk? If you're just talking to talk, <laughs> hey, you know, I'm, I mean, yeah, I, it's hard to sometimes gauge when to interrupt someone, you know. It's, it's embarrassing if somebody says, hey, look, I got to go, you know. Damn, was I talking too much? Was I, was I not on the right page with them? I didn't notice. Okay. 
So with students, I can do that. And, and I don't feel bad about it because I'm teaching them. Now, I, I wouldn't do that to, you know, my own peer or yeah. somebody. And I don't do it meanly. I just, but I stop them because if I can stop them now, maybe we can help them. And because there's a time when, you know, we're, we're, behind, we're besides a fire and we're, you know, having a drink or something. You, you know, embellish the story and, and get all into it, you know. Uh, we're in a board meeting and I need to get my point across. Then I'm giving you, like, just the... The basics, and you know, so I, well, I want to ask this question because this uh, brings up another point for me. Um, when I go speak, uh, like Wounded Warrior events, and and I'm or to airmen in basic training, I I walk up there, I say my name, uh, I'm a retired PJ, 20 years, and and then just roll into like bombs of hope, like any seeds that I can plant in there on resiliency, on anything, because I only have you know, 30, 40 minutes, maybe I only have an hour. And so I am throwing out as many seeds as I can, hopeful that something I'm throwing out there will plant in you. And, um, but I've been, um, criticized for my speaking style because they're like, well, they don't know enough about you. They don't know what you went through to get there. And I'm like, because it doesn't matter how I got there. Like I, I give you a hint that something bad happened and then I go straight into coping mechanisms and resilience and how to get through that. And, yeah. and I guess I'm, I'm asking like, what, what would you think? Like, where's that happy medium, I guess, where I say enough about myself, you know, I don't want to say anything about myself. I just want to help people. So where, where do you draw the line? Like how much do I have to say to, to get my point across? So that way I can just start dropping bombs. Well, I would say, because I know you, it's different than going to hear someone speak for the first time. I would say, who is the speaker? What am I going to listen to? What kind of what, what kind of speaker is this guy? If you're the type of guy that comes in and, and gives what you give, some people like that. And some people, as speakers, they want to give and make a point about about something, not a bunch of stuff, but about something. So if your point is to go in and give a speech about, I survived this, this tragedy, you talk about the one tragedy and how you survived and the coping mechanisms you used in your support group, you organize it and structure it to where you have their attention 100% with these, this fantastic story and the conclusion. If your speaking style is, here's here's what I talk about, and, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this, a little bit about that, these seeds that you're trying to plant, um, there's two ways to take it. It's, one of these seeds is going to get implanted differently. For If I have 10 kids and I have 10 seeds, maybe five of them are going to get two seeds, one's going to get one seed, maybe two won't get any seeds, but you're hoping that some of these seeds check. Uh, yes. Th- 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 so it's a shotgun effect, right? Yes. A shotgun effect saying, I hope something happens. So if you're on the circuit, they call it, right? The speaking circuit. And you, instead of doing the shotgun effect, said, this is part of the story. Instead of all these seeds, I only want to plant the one seed and plant it really deep and water the hell out of it. And it's going to be about this. That speaking style is going to be different. You're not going to talk about all the other seeds. You're just going to go and do that. Now, if they want to see you again to hear the same story, then they go and see the same story. 
another speech you're going to give about another key. So you're just doing it differently. And if that works for you, great. But what I encourage anybody to do is get feedback. Always get feedback from the teacher of the students you're giving or from the students themselves by having papers mm. at the end of your speeches and presentations to say, can you please fill this out? What did you think about this speech? What did you take from it? And that way, you know exactly how you're affecting those students and what they took away. Otherwise, it either is or isn't working, but you'll never know unless you're engaged with those as a follow-up to that parent or teacher by, by engaging with them themselves. You have to have feedback. So my feedback means nothing. Your feedback coming from someone who's listening listening to you give those speeches, that's what makes a difference. Are you reaching and saying things that matter? Right. Well, so I change the speech every time I speak because every time I speak, I'm in a different place. Um, maybe and that's I'm- fine. That's fine. It, it, it comes down to, if I could interrupt you, it comes, it comes down to you're not necessarily always the message you're trying to give, but your speaking style. Are you grabbing them, you know, with their attention? You know who I like? I, I love listening to to this day, even though there's not very many films or footage of him talking, is Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. The early footage of Bruce Lee when he says, you have to be like water. You have to, you know, I mean, he's like intense telling you this, this thing and he grabs you and you're like, wow, I gotta, I gotta flow like water and if I'm a, you know, a tube, I gotta be a tube. If I'm a, you know, whatever, I have to be the shape of that, you know, whatever. But it all depends on your inflection and how you do it. So not necessarily the message all the time, that you want feedback it how is it being received no matter what you're saying alright so I was 18 when I first either heard or understood be like water my friend and my mind was blown away <laughs> I I it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard because it's like just be like water just relax don't worry just you know flow crash do whatever you need to do but just be and i i've been oh i i love that uh i i mean it gives me like chills it just makes me so happy because it just reminds me of like how enlightened um he was and how enlightened i felt after hearing that statement and been working on it all my life isn't that funny i mean I think our generation, I definitely grew up with Bruce Lee t-shirts and posters and, you know, learning to use nunchucks and a lot of my Asian friends, they were all, you know, they all, you know, were doing something, whether it's Kung Fu, Karate, um, Taekwondo, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was not in the mix at that time. Yeah. It was wrestling, wrestling definitely was, you know, but, so yeah, we all shared and worked out together and stuff and did, you know, thousands of push-ups, you know, <laughs> um, work it out it's like how many can we do and it's funny it's like endless okay you know we would just do sets of my friend Elmer and I he was my neighbor behind me we probably in between 6th and 8th grade we worked out every summer he went to Alaska um, after after a while to go work but um, we would work out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of push ups Hello? Uh-oh. 
Yeah, Mike, I'm here. Oh. No, no, you're good. Okay. Hold on one second. Oh, no worries. I have to cut this short, um, unfortunately. No uh, worries. We got, got in a little bit of a... Somebody hit her in her car, oh. so... So what's up, Dirty Cones? Um, so Mark had to end, so I will end it at that. I got a nice little flower blooming. I'm kind of, what's up? So, ta-da. Chickens, dogs, cats, all living together in peace <laughs> and plants. Anyway, uh, I want to thank Mark. I think that was, I'm going to call this episode either Enlightened or Yes And. Uh, it's great. I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, I feel a little bit lighter. Not that uh, things are bad, but, you know, things are a little scary sometimes. You're wondering where things are going. Um, but knowing that there are people like Mark and people like you out there makes the world a better place, makes it good, makes me not worry, and uh, life is good. So have a good one. And, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs>